Just gonna run this dog to see if we can find any type of uh, human remains that are left. Listen to Where Secrets Go to Die, The Disappearance of Derek Hennigan. From the Detroit Free Press, a new podcast set in the woods of Michigan's Upper Peninsula. Available on Apple, Spotify, Freep.com, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hey, Hawkeye fans, Chad Leistico of the Des Moines Register, along with Tyler Tashman of the Des Moines Register. Looks like Tyler got a haircut. Solid. Looking good. Thank you. Have to look fresh. Have to look fresh going into Penn State. (laughs) It's a big game. It's big game week here. Uh, We're ready to make our uh, our way out there on Friday, Tyler. But uh, first things first, our Tuesday press conferences. Uh, Thank you. Thank you all for joining us here on the YouTube uh, channel for Hawk Central. Once again, a newsy day. Uh, I don't think we. I don't think some of this was unexpected, but we have to talk about the injuries. I think first and foremost for the Hawkeyes, and uh, I believe you jinxed it. Correct. Um, at some point, you said something about I was been pretty healthy so far, Chad. Yeah. Uh, was well, that not you? No, no, that was. But okay. and I, I, I gave a disclaimer that I wasn't. I was not trying to put the jinx on or anything. That just through the first two games, they did stay pretty healthy and. Yeah, no, no, not so much, unfortunately for them. So, all right. Well, let's start with, uh, I mean, just the rundown, I guess. Let's let's deal with that. Uh, obviously, Luke Lachey. We saw the injury occur on Saturday against Western Michigan in the first quarter. Heartbreaking. Uh, he is likely lost for the season. No surprise there. Had surgery today. Uh, Kirk Ferentz saying it was a clean break. Uh, he did not mention the word ankle, but uh, you would have to think it. It sure looked like a broken ankle to me. Uh, again, as someone who's experienced one in this calendar year. And then uh, two uh, lower leg injuries, which uh, probably both ankles. We know Caleb Johnson's a, an ankle, potentially a high ankle. Uh, Jazzy and Patterson goes from what Kirk Ferentz, Tyler, said on Saturday postgame, uh, of a, called a tweak and not a big, not significant, uh, to already out, ruled out for this week against the Nittany Lions. So... Um, let's start with the running backs, I guess. Uh, we knew Lachey was going to be out, but the running back situation does look more dire at this point. Uh, however, the three guys that, that played the majority of the snaps against Western Michigan look good. So how do you, how do you assess kind of where the running route, running back room stands at this point? I think it definitely makes getting out of, uh, Penn state with a win a lot more difficult because we've already seen, the running game has been kind of inconsistent and you know it seemed like it was by far their best day against western michigan but not having basically two of the three guys that have been the main contributors in the backfield um is definitely a hit and i think also that when you're talking about an offensive line that uh you know maybe the holes aren't open for that long you probably it makes a difference for guys that can hit them pretty quick so um, you know, if you have guys that maybe aren't as experienced um, and can't get through the holes as fast, aren't able to read things as quickly, I think that makes a big difference. Um, so I think it's going to be a lot on LaShawn, uh, LeSean Williams. Uh, and, and yeah, I got I know you said I'm trying to pronounce it right. Um, but yeah, anyways, it's going to be a lot on him. And he had a great day against Western Michigan, but it's undoubtedly going to be a lot harder to do that against Penn State's uh, D-line than it will be against Western Michigan. 
Um, I think Kamari Moulton, he, he had a good day against Western Michigan, but that's, that's a tough ask to, you know, a, a guy that's a true freshman playing at Penn state. Um, I think it's just, it's going to make Iowa's kind of offense that's been teetering on the edge. It's going to kind of stack the odds against it. I think the defense might have to make up for it even more. You might, I feel like there's going to have to almost be a defensive or special teams touchdown to kind of make up for what might be a lack of run game and kind of offense that's kind of hobbling right now. So, yeah, I think it, it definitely feels like the cards are, you know, stacked against them even more so than the white out and being at Penn State and kind of all of that. Well, you know, frankly, I thought uh, Lee Sean looked, looked really good. And he's, you know, he looked good a couple of years ago in the um, Citrus Bowl when um, when he and Gavin Williams kind of shared duties. And, and so I think he can handle it. it. The key at this point for me now is he can't get hurt. <laughs> uh, I'm not saying Kamari Moulton and Terrell Washington Jr. can't do it. Uh, you just don't want to put two true freshmen in too big of a role here in Happy Valley. Uh, and that includes pass blocking. I mean, we saw Jazzy and Patterson um, really be good in, in the pass blocking game at Iowa State. Uh, that's a big loss uh, to not have him available, but LeSean can do it. Uh, he's he's basically the guy that, that needs to be able to do it uh, because you, know, you, d- you definitely want to put a true freshman in, in those situations. And that's where even a guy like Max White could come in uh, I mean, I, we brought up the three names to Kirk Ferentz today, but but Max's name came up too. Uh, you know, number six on the depth chart, the number one in your hearts. Um, but uh, you know, he he actually had a, a nice pass block pick pickup uh, in that Western Michigan game, also. So uh, he could be a factor. So he maybe maybe he has a carrier too. So uh, definitely going to be by committee. But I would think Leshawn gets the lion's share of the work, and he's got to stay healthy. No question about it and i'm you know uh i'm working on a piece about the 2009 game uh this week and uh there was a a true freshman in that game brandon wager who had a big role in that game as a running back so perhaps we see a kamari molten um you know have you know take another step on a stage after his two touchdown performance against western michigan uh we will see uh we will get liddell Betts tomorrow on on the zoom for assistant coaches so uh, that'll be good. We'll get a little more insight. And so we'll kind of report back to you probably on our radio show tomorrow night. Right. So uh, let's talk about tight end uh, Luke Lachey, you know, as Kirk said, uh, probably out for the year. I don't, it's a huge loss, but I feel really good about the three guys they still have. Uh, again, can't, <laughs> you don't want one of those guys to get hurt now either. Uh, all due respect to Johnny Jacuzzi. Um, Eric Hall, Addison Ostrenga, who Deontay Vine said has amazing hands. And then Steven Stilianos, man, he uh, – when I did DVR Monday, that guy really impressed me with with how he can block. So I think between the three of them, there's kind of a Luke Lachey combo in there, but it's obviously not in one guy, which is the biggest – that hurts. Yeah, I think because we, we talked about like coming into the season that it felt like the tight end group was probably one of the – the deepest groups, position groups. So I think that you don't want to lose a Luke Lachey, but there are bodies that feel like they can maybe piece together and and maybe not make up all of Luke Lachey, but make up enough of them. I think that it's been pretty clear that 
Cade McNamara has really found a comfort in, in throwing to the tight ends. And, and Luke Lachey definitely felt like his favorite target. And Eric All felt like someone that he uh, likes to find a lot. I think now with Luke Lachey gone, uh, you probably want maybe maybe throwing to the wide receivers more. Maybe this is a guy an opportunity for someone like Seth Anderson, Deontay Vines. Uh, Kirk Ferentz mentioned Caleb Brown today, who – uh, I mean, really has not gotten uh, many touches through the first three games, but um, maybe it's not even a tight end that you want to step up, but just other pass catchers uh, around Cade McNamara. And, and I also think that this kind of just folding into the lack of rushing attack or volume of guys that you have available against Penn State is this just feels like a game where you really want things to come together for, for Cade McNamara. Uh, the first three games, it's definitely, I mean, it hasn't been all bad or anything. I, he's definitely had some good moments, but it's definitely, he's definitely still had some rust. And because of the lack of rushing, you know, the volume of guys available on Saturday, I think you really hope that this is a game that uh, Cade McNamara can kind of put things together and really get the passing attack going because, uh, you mean, frankly, you just might not know what exactly you're going to get from the rushing attack. Yeah, what makes that harder this week is that Penn State has a really good secondary. So, you know, it's asking a lot to get the wide receivers untracked this week. Uh, Kalen King is their kind of star corner, but they're really good in the secondary throughout. And uh, so that'll be a challenge. But uh, we talked to Deontay Vines and Seth Anderson today, and they seem pretty confident uh, that, that the offense is growing. In practice, uh, talked about uh, simulating crowd noise today uh, with speakers like right by the huddle and, uh, you know, trying to call out the plays that way. So Iowa prepping as much as it can uh, without uh, Luke Lachey. And uh, it is it is a dagger for sure. Um, I, I posted a picture from uh, right before surgery today from Luke. He was smiling with his mom. So uh, sounds like a successful surgery, and um, you know we'll see how many how many months it takes him re to recover. Who knows? Maybe he could be back for a bowl game. Maybe I don't know. Uh, that would probably be best case scenario, I think, at this point. But uh, you know he should be fine. I would, given that Kirk Ferentz said it was a clean fracture, uh, to be back for the NFL draft if he chooses to go that route, or if he chooses to return and go to spring ball. So it'll be interesting. You know, obviously he get he needs the space to to make that decision, but it's possible, Tyler, that we've seen Luke Lachey play his last snap as a Hawkeye, which is kind of sad. And maybe, you know, I, I don't want to speak for him because I obviously probably things are still in limbo, but uh, it might, you know, I feel like it might be one of the cases where it depends on how the season ends up for Iowa. If Iowa goes on, uh, you know, a run and, you know, wins the Big Ten title in Indianapolis, then maybe it feels like there's left, there's less left on the table for him to kind of come back and prove. Maybe if Iowa gets to the Big Ten championship and loses, he feels like there's more left, um, you know, to accomplish. Uh, I, I feel like the way that the kind of team success ends up can sometimes sometimes influences a player's decision on whether they're going to end up coming back or, or going obviously it'll be someone just basically the feedback he's getting um and you know where he can be drafted but i think too just the injury situation that has kind of seemed to kind of quickly sneak up ahead of this penn state game which is probably 
you probably would have liked to have this stuff kind of out of the way by now, but it, that's just, you know, it's kind of unavoidable, but it feels like even more so that this just is, is a game that Iowa doesn't have much to lose. Like they, I don't think many people go in there depending on, you know, how you view things as a fan, go in there uh, thinking that I was going to win. Uh, and, and even, you know, I think, everything that all the injuries kind of leading up to it pointed to that it's going to be a very difficult task to get away with a win. So I think that there's not much for Iowa to lose. People expect Penn State to win. It's in a really tough environment on the road. Um, so I think Iowa can swing big. I think they can swing for the fences. It feels like Penn State has a lot more to lose than Iowa. Yeah. And, um, you know, I don't, Personally, I don't think Luke Lachey probably has to prove much more. I mean, I think Iowa's tight end pedigree is solid, uh, and he could – I mean, he still has two years of eligibility or this year and next year anyway, so it's not like he would need the medical red shirt. So if he – you know, let's say he could come back and play in a bowl game, kind of like Sam Laporta did, but obviously a much shorter time frame off his meniscus. But, you know, maybe we could see him in a bowl game. I don't know. That's uh, – that's possible. Maybe he finishes, you know, like finished my career, you know, playing in a bowl game, then move on type of thing. I don't know. I'm just trying to throw out, get inside his head or whatever, but uh, it's early that that stuff will get sorted out. All obviously all the, all the best to Luke, Uh, tremendous young man, tremendous family. And uh, that's just a tremendous player too. Uh, Just uh, wish him all the best in his recovery and uh, do all your PT, do all your PT. All your PT, Luke, and you'll be back before you know it. Uh, let's move on to our second topic here, Tyler, which is kind of some – I felt like some optimism. I don't know. We were kind of in different circles in our player interviews today, so I'm kind of uh, – we haven't gotten to talk much. I know you're working on basketball stuff too today. But uh, what was kind of the vibe you got from players? I mean, they uh, – I, from what I kept hearing from everybody I bounced around to was kind of a quiet confidence. Um, you know, we're going there to win – you know, we're not the underdogs. That's what LaShawn, LeSean Williams said. Uh, you know, uh, we've got good players too, basically. Uh, what, how, what did you gather from interviews today? That It feels like these guys really believe they have a chance. Yeah, I think too, them just understanding like the magnitude of this game and, and the fact that, I mean, I'm excited to go just because I've never been to a game at Penn State, but just the atmosphere, the whiteout, you know, it is – it does feel kind of like, you know, once in a lifetime, uh, you know, type deal. And and I think that as a player, those are the type of atmospheres in games that you want to play. And so um, I think it's just kind of about embracing that and not letting it, uh, you know, necessarily fully take over your emotions. Um, I thought it was too interesting. I was, you know, talking to Jamari Harris today um, and it was actually his birthday um, but, you know, so he, he spoke about the, you know, his suspension and, and, and involvement to the uh, gambling inve- investigation. He said a situation that I deeply regret. It was a mistake that I made. I've acknowledged it and I'm trying to move forward, learn from any lesson, every lesson. It was a mistake in my, well, today makes 23 years, 23 years of life. I've made plenty of mistakes. I'm sure I will make a lot more, but the key is acknowledging it and finding a way to be better. Um, and I mean, he, he was also reflective just on kind of all that he's been through over the last more than a year. Um, Cause it was a long time since he had been back on the field. And I think that that was kind of 
apparent and I mean, he, him and Xavier Wampa looked like they kind of had miscommunication or whatever it was on that, on that big touchdown pass in the first quarter for Western Michigan. But I think he's a guy that uh, you hope his, his kind of adjustment period is accelerated uh, in the secondary because Iowa has seemed to be a little bit prone to, uh, you know, big pass plays. And in this game at Penn state feels like, I mean, it's going to be the biggest test of the season uh, that you really kind of want, you know, it's difficult to ask for one game to be all you need to adjust, but I, you know, you hope that he can pick things up pretty quickly. Yeah, certainly the the whiteout is not going to be uh, well. At least Penn State Stadium is not going to be too much of a stranger to Cade McNamara or Eric All, who won there in 2021 with uh, the Michigan Wolverines. With McNamara throwing a late TD pass to Eric All uh, to secure that victory on the way to a Big Ten championship, so. Uh, that's a positive. And, uh, you know, I think, you know, the quote unquote whiteout is, it may, it is an amazing environment for sure. But Penn State's full stadium whiteout record is, which began in, in 07, that's when the full stadium whiteout uh, started, is only eight and six. So now, now obviously they schedule marquee matchups in this window. So it's kind of like the old Kirk Cousins sucks in primetime argument, you know, that it's because they're good matchups, you know, you you don't automatically win those games necessarily, but um, eight and six is nothing great. I mean, Iowa should not be necessary. I mean, they're 14 and a half point underdog. We know that, but uh, they believe they can go win this game. And, you know, history tells you, yeah, they can, they were a nine and a half point underdog in 2009 uh, under Kirk Ferentz. And they won that one outright by 11. So, it uh, took some craziness, took a block punt return touchdown, but um, I think that's the kind of stuff that's on the table. You have to play a resilient 60-minute game, and that's uh, that message is going to get across from Kirk Ferentz because he's lived it, he's done it, he's won at Penn State several times. He won there in 04, he won there in 09, he's won there several other times, 02, uh, 2000, I mean, memorably. And then, of course, 2020, um, you know, in an empty stadium, but still – uh, you know, this is a this is a program with a track record of winning over there. Kirk Ferentz knows what it takes to win there. He's a Pennsylvania guy. So uh, I like the fact that Iowa is going in with confidence. And they, they frankly didn't shy away from it at all today. So uh, I do like that. Um, what's the most, uh, you know, we'll get into more of the matchup tomorrow, but just as you see it, what's the, the biggest challenge for Iowa, you know, and the reason that they're a 14 and a half under, point underdog, what is the biggest uh, challenge for the Hawkeyes going into this environment? I think it's just been the consistency of the offense. I think I think the defense is going to put Iowa – it's going to give Iowa a chance to win. I think it's just a matter of how, how many points Iowa's offense can put up, whether the running game is going to be good enough, whether Cade McNamara – I think he'll probably have to have the best game of his Iowa career in order for Iowa to come out with a win. I also think that – some of the little details that maybe Iowa has been able to get away with through the first three weeks of the season, they're not going to be able to make those mistakes. Like you look at, uh, you know, the, the missed field goal against Western Michigan um, early on, you know, or it was during the first half uh, toward the end of the first half, Cade McNamara threw that interception in which Iowa would have otherwise been at the minimum, been able to kick a field goal. Um, when you look at what they did against Iowa State and not the offense not shutting the door, kind of let Iowa State creep back into the game. Um, 
the offense in, against Utah State starting out really good and then kind of uh, really hitting a lull. Those are little details that Iowa, I don't think, will be able to get away with in a game like this. If they want to win in a tough environment against a team like Penn State, you're going to have to take care of all those little details. You can't have those breakdowns like, uh, you know, Jamari Harris and Xavier Wampa. Those things need to be cleaned up. So I think that, one, I would just say the offense, because I think the defense will do a good enough job to keep it in. But also they're just going to need to iron out the little things, not make the little mistakes that they did, uh, you know, the first three weeks and were able to get with because of the competition they were playing. Um, and, and I also think you just might need to make the game a little weird. I think you might need to, uh, you know, create some you know, turnovers. Just, I don't know, weird. you might just need to throw a wrench into things and kind of hope it mixes stuff up um, to, to kind of change the vibe and the energy. Yeah, uh, one of our users, Chuck Wolf, says, I imagine there will be some wrinkles on both sides that we haven't seen uh, thus far this season. Good, good. Uh, point there by you Tyler and also you Chuck I mean I'm thinking back to 2018 when Iowa <laughs> got two safeties early in that game it was a, that was a weird one also in the rain rain expected this week uh in Happy Valley but Iowa ran a, a fake field goal for a touchdown in that game um throwing a pass to Sam Brinks I believe uh caught it from uh the backup or from the punter Colton Rastetter uh so uh, Iowa nearly pulled that one off. They really should have won that game, to be honest, but uh, uh, kind of let it slip away. Nate Stanley, the quarterback, got an injury in that game with his thumb, um, so that really hampered them as well. But uh, still ended up 30-24 to 24, uh, with Iowa having having the ball on the three-yard line first and goal and threw a pick, uh, trying to take the lead in the final minutes. So uh, that's just how close this matchup is. It's very intense. Uh, you weren't here for the fake injury situation. Uh, you know, discussion two years ago, Tyler, but that came up today. Uh, it just seems like the fans out there on Penn State's side are really, really ramped up for some revenge. They feel like they owe Iowa uh, for that game. And uh, I was beating them two times in a row. And now, how about this, Tyler? Speaking of the details, the Hawkeyes are changing their attire going to Penn State. Uh, feel like this is the biggest story of the day that uh, Iowa is choosing for the first time. I and nobody has pointed out otherwise. I believe it is the first time since Iowa went to the Pittsburgh Steelers color scheme in 1979 that they've worn black pants on the road. So black pants, white top uh, for this game. Uh, you're a young guy. What do you think of the fashion statement going into a whiteout with with black pants for the first time as a program, essentially? I think it'll be a nice contrast. Like it'll, I feel like the color will kind of pop a little bit more. I mean, I'm not, I'm not a like a fashion expert by any means, but um, and I, I also think that like because I just haven't been around the beat for that long that it it's not as seismic to me because I I really have only seen one road game, so it's not like <laughs> it's not like oh this is something I've never seen before, you know, because most of the stuff that I'm seeing I've never seen before from Iowa. So, um, yeah, no, I think I mean it's it looks good. I mean, I'm wondering are are you going to change up the pants for the? Are you going black pants as well? Jeans? What's Ooh, you know? I hadn't thought about that. Usually, usually we I well I always dress 
So I don't wear like whatever the other team's colors are. And I obviously would never wear Iowa's colors. So um, we'll have to think about that though. Maybe black pants would be sort of a, a little subtle nod. So maybe I'll, <laughs> I'll try to pack those uh wrinkle free variety potentially. <laughs> I don't know. But anyway, fans are pretty excited about it. We, I mean, every player that we talked about talked to was actually super pumped about it. Like look good, you know, look good, play good type of mentality. Uh, Logan Lee mentioning that the leadership group uh, kind of made this decision. And this was kind of an interesting nugget. He said they tried, they, they talked about going all white for this game, go all white into the whiteout. Now that would have been freaking bold, uh, but that for, for whatever reason that got uh, kiboshed probably because Penn state already wears white pants. Uh, I'm guessing uh, they wear the white pants and blue top for the whiteout. So but I think it would have really made it interesting if both teams just go all white. That, <laughs> now that that would be a sight to see. You don't know yeah. who you're throwing it to or if you're tackling the right guy. Yeah, then it would be a ref show for sure. <laughs> um, well, anyway, we will talk more about this matchup uh, in detail on our Hawk Central radio show on Wednesday night, uh, 6 to 7 on uh, 106.3 KXNO in Des Moines. You can stream that, iHeartRadio, all that stuff on your Alexa. But I did want to save a couple minutes, Tyler, because uh, we don't normally talk a lot of hoops here on this show, but the Iowa basketball schedule did come out today for this season. Now, we knew the opponents, but it's always nice to get kind of dates on the schedule. Uh, maybe one or two quick takeaways. You wrote up the story from what we learned today regarding Hawkeye basketball men's basketball the women's big 10 schedule hasn't come out yet but the men's schedule came out today yeah i think one thing is that the non-conference is not the most challenging there are a few kind of bigger time games they play creighton they go to a tournament in california which the first game is against oklahoma the next game would either be uh seton hall or usc and then there's the game at iowa state other than that the non-conference is very manageable, manageable. Iowa should win every other one of those games. Um, at the same time, they lost to Eastern Illinois last season and what was a, you know, a shocking upset. So you certainly can't sleepwalk through things, but I, I don't think this is necessarily a bad setup because of all the new pieces that Iowa basketball has, right? You have Chris Murray leaving Connor McCaffrey, Philip Robracha, Aaron Uless guys that, that were, important really important to the team last season you have six newcomers uh four freshmen and two transfers to this team um there's kind of some moving pieces trying to build that chemistry the foreign tour was a good start on that but the way the non-conference schedule is set up it kind of gives Iowa some room to make mistakes and probably not totally uh get behind and you know the win-loss column because of it but the hope is that then they start to come around by conference time because life is going to get a lot more difficult once uh, Big Ten play begins. The very first game is at Purdue, so it's kind of a welcome to the uh, start of the conference season. And that same week, Iowa goes uh, to Iowa State, so that's going to be a really difficult week in December. Um, a couple other notable things is seven of the last 12 are on the road, and I mean, for, for a team that very well might be fighting for its NCAA tournament life, that's that's a difficult kind of end of the season and, and having to be on the road that much. And there's also a stretch 
in February where Iowa goes at Maryland, home against Wisconsin, at Michigan State, at Illinois. And those three of those four teams are probably going to be in the – or actually all four of them will probably be at least in the top half of the Big Ten, you would think. So um, it's not going to be easy, but you hope that that they can build chemistry kind of by that point. And uh, the bit the big game there, Tyler, is at Indiana. You get to go back uh, to your stomping grounds on Tuesday, January thirtieth. So I got I got the day schedule. I'm ready to enjoy. go. <laughs> you enjoy that. I think the biggest headline for me is uh, after getting kind of the shaft on Saturday and Sunday home games. Iowa gets six of them uh, of the of their ten Big Ten games. Six of them are weekend home games. So that's a really big. Uh, benefit. Uh, that's where the best crowds are going to be. So you're going to get a lot of those. And the only thing I don't like, which they do this every year, is they play, they always play on Super Bowl Sunday, which I don't they like tout that as like, oh, for the seventh straight year or whatever, I was going to play on Super Bowl Sunday. But I hate that tradition. <laughs> it's like the worst tradition possible. Uh, let's not play on no, Super Bowl I, Sunday. I agree. I was surprised by that too. That was like, yeah. Well, we got to get rid of that. Come on. Let's go, Beth Getz. Turn some, uh, you know, make some things happen. Let's get that off there. Nobody wants to play on the Super Bowl Sunday. Anyway, uh, well, thanks, Tyler. Good show. We'll see you uh, on Hawk Central tomorrow. And uh, uh, I saw, what, what was the deal with you throwing a football? You sent me a text. Where was it? So Tyler can throw a football really far, I found out on a text message, unless he superimposed himself throwing a football. Uh, so what was the deal there? <laughs> I don't know. I just, I used to play baseball in high school, so I have a pretty good arm, and I, I'm a lefty, as you noted. So yeah, I'm, I don't know. I was just out there letting it fly. My dad's out here visiting me. He was at the Western Michigan game, so I had him run a few routes and uh, get the get the arm loose. All right. Well, yeah. I'm so yeah. If the injuries keep piling up, you know, Tyler's. I I mean, I think maybe you got I'm a so, chance to to walk on and. I saw my COVID year. <laughs> all right well thanks hawk fans for tuning in uh, we will talk to you guys tomorrow night for tyler tashman this is chad lastico saying so long and uh see you next time just gonna run this dog to see if we can find any type of uh human remains that are left listen to where secrets go to die the disappearance of Derek hennigan From the Detroit Free Press, a new podcast set in the woods of Michigan's Upper Peninsula. Available on Apple, Spotify, Freep.com, or wherever you get your podcasts.